also sounds. Powerful, powerful songs. And Lord, how do I give a message right after this? <laughs> the scripture in Isaiah says, it's Isaiah 6, 8. Whom shall I send and who will go for me? Isaiah answers back and says, send me. Send me. What if God came to you and asked you that question? Would you say, send me? Or would you say, I don't want to go? And then try to justify why. Think about that. Sometimes what he calls us to is really difficult. But always in that difficult time, he will always equip us. He will always be there for us. He will always give us peace in the midst of that storm. He will always surround us with his love, his peace, and his joy. When we have desire for more of him, he loves that. And he will give us more of him. You see... We've been talking about Moses, but we haven't gone back. And I felt like this past week, God was saying, go back to the beginning with Moses. God needed to use someone to rescue the people. His people, the Israelites from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. It looked like, where is God? All these years, crying out and crying out and crying out and under hard slavery. Where is God? And yet, God was working behind the scenes. And so many times we say, well, God's working behind the scenes. Well, that's difficult. Because we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Do you ever sit in a play, and all of a sudden it's time, you know, to go get your munchies and go get whatever you need to do. And, but you hear all this noise behind the scenes of the curtain. And you don't know what they're doing, do you? And then you hear like maybe a chair might drop or something may make a loud noise and you're like, whoa, what is that? Well, there's a lot going on behind the scenes. God is working all the time. He knew Moses would surrender to him at the right time and he knows when we will surrender to him at the right time. And he was gonna use Moses mightily However, Moses wasn't born yet. <laughs> so Moses had to be born. And at the time of Moses' birth, Satan knew that God had something great planned for him and tried to have him killed. You know, Pharaoh saying in Exodus 1.22, Pharaoh gave orders for every male baby born to be thrown into the Nile River, but let the baby girls live. You know, he wanted to cut down on the population because they were all this fear that was going on. Too many of those Israelites out there, they're gonna be greater than us Egyptians here. As I said before, there's an echo in our land of babies crying out to be given the right to see God's plan. And Satan wanted to take that away from Moses and he wants to take that away from babies in this land. 
He wants to take that right to be able to be able to be used by God and to step into the plan and the purpose that God has for them. The demons of hatred, bitterness, and resentment have been infiltrating our land along with a spirit of mockery against the prophets and the Christians. But God is not mocked. And if you don't remember anything else, remember, God is not mocked. When you hear all this mocking, remember, God is not mocked. And I believe this decision is the beginning of God starting to turn things around for his people. But you see, God was already ahead of this terrible order. And you think he's not ahead of everything that's going on right now? He is. And he has planned a way of escape for Moses' parents to be able to hide Moses. And he's planned a way of escape for all of us. And we don't need to lose hope. We need to keep hope in God. Trust in him. You know, it's just like our father to surprise the devil and foil his his plot. Because he has a plot and God has a plan. God would bring forth his plan that Satan couldn't thwart. And Job 42.2 says, I know you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. No purpose. And Satan kind of gets in there and is like, oh, yeah, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? No purpose can be thwarted. Whatever God's plan is, Satan cannot destroy it. And sometimes it looks like our situation is never going to change. And we have prayed and we have cried out to our Father with no answers in sight. And yet God says, believe in my word. Trust me. And sometimes that's really hard, isn't it? Sometimes it's really hard to believe in God when you don't see what the promises are. You take a hold of those promises. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. But when you're down and when you're discouraged, it's really hard to take a hold of those promises. And that's when we need to take a hold of those promises. We need to say, no, I am not going to lose hope. I am not going to go into discouragement. I trust my God, and my God is there for me. You may be dealing with a sickness or a disease or an addiction of food or alcohol or drugs and see no sign of a deliverance from God. You may be crying out for a change in your life that has been filled with negativity but see no answers to your prayers. You hear about God's love, but you don't feel it. You know about God, but you don't know him. You see, I knew about God years ago, but I did not know him. In other words, you don't have an intimate, personal relationship with him, even though you attend church every Sunday. You may be wondering, how can God allow all this pain and suffering to go on and not intervene? Some of you may be saying, I don't believe there is a God. After all, what kind of a God would allow this evil to continue? You've heard he's a good, good father, but you can't relate to a good earthly father because your father didn't show you the love that was so needed and so desired. 
So I want to give you encouragement today that no matter how bad it looks, God's plan cannot be stopped for you. You see, Moses was a target of Satan's from the beginning of his birth. He was a target. Yet in Jeremiah 1.1, it says, I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. Before I set you apart, I appointed you as a prophet. Now he's talking to Jeremiah. Jeremiah was being told by God that he was a being before he was in his mother's womb. (laughs) Which means that all mothers that are carrying a human being that God has plans. He has great plans for that baby. Now you see it's time for Moses to be born. However, Satan tried to stop God's plan by speaking through the Pharaoh. To every male Hebrew baby had to be thrown into the Nile River. So Moses' mother hid him for three months away from the Egyptians. When she could no longer hide him, she made a basket of papyrus, which made it watertight, and put bitumen and pitch around it. And then she laid the basket by the rushes at the brink of the Nile River. She knew that the daughter of Pharaoh bathed there. And so Moses' sister Miriam watched from a distance to see what was going to happen. Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket and told one of her maidens to bring the basket to her. And Miriam came out of hiding. But you see, when she looked at that basket, little Moses, little baby Moses was in there. And Moses began to cry. And that touched her heart. And she's like, okay. And she knew he was a Hebrew baby. But Miriam came out of hiding and asked Pharaoh's daughter if she wanted her to find a Hebrew mother that would take care of Moses. Can you begin to see God's plan unfolding? It's starting right there. Because it started right here with Moses being born. He was going to lead the people out of Egypt. This little baby, this little baby that had to be hidden. How many times are we hearing situations that are so awful and so horrific and you wonder, oh my, how's that ever going to change? How's that person ever going to change? What's going to happen to them in their life? And yet God has a plan. Not only did Pharaoh's daughter agree for Moses' mother to nurse him, but she told her she would pay her too. Amazing story so far, isn't it? Miriam says, you know, do you have somebody? Do you, do you want me to go back and get someone that would take care of that little baby? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go, go good. Well, what'd she do? She gets the mother of Moses. I mean, can you ever think about it? I don't know how to get this across any better. <laughs> But do you ever think about how God is so far ahead of us and he loves to surprise us in so many ways and he loves to come against what the enemy is doing. He loves to just march right in there and take care of things that we couldn't even think how it's going to turn out. The Bible doesn't say how long or how old Moses was when he was given back to the Pharaoh's daughter. 
I've read up, it says six months to two years. So we don't know exactly how long baby Moses was with his mother. She returned him after that to Pharaoh's daughter. And I can imagine how hard that was for the mother to have to give her baby up back to the Pharaoh's daughter. But I'm sure that she looked at the situation and thanked God that the baby was alive. Because a lot of, and I'm sure there were a lot of baby uh, boys that were born that were thrown into the Nile. How would God take Moses' mixed-up life and use it for his glory? (laughs) Think about how many times our lives have been mixed up. And some are more mixed up than others. And it looks like, what in the world? How is God ever going to use me? Now, I love this part. God's plan always triumphs over the devil's plot. God turned the tables on the devil by using Pharaoh's daughter to save baby Moses. Think of that. Pharaoh's daughter he used right in front of Pharaoh. And guess what? Pharaoh became grandpa. (laughs) Do you ever think of that? Pharaoh became grandpa. Maybe you've had a mixed up life and wonder how God would ever use you. And God turned the tables on Satan and he will turn the tables on the enemy in your life. And the very thing that you're going through can be the catalyst that moves you forward to God's plan. Satan's plot has backfired and God is moving forward with the plan for Moses' life. We must not lose hope on how God is going to have this corruption and love of power and money and this leadership in our country backfire on the devil's plot for our nation. Because the devil has a plot for our nation. And we must not lose hope on what God is going to do in the midst of it. God will move us forward in our personal lives and in our nation. So let's fast forward to when Moses is 40 years old. He's been raised in the king's palace with the finest of education, material things, clothing, and so forth. He doesn't know any better at that point. He's been raised there. But one day he goes out to see his Hebrew family and he sees their burdens. And then he sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man and kills the Egyptian. He hides his body so no one can find out. And the next day he sees two Hebrew men that are having an argument and starting to really fight. And he says to them, you know, what are you doing? And the man looks back at him and he says, who made you judge? Do you intend to kill me like you did the Egyptian? Now he thought no one saw, but this man saw it. And so he fears, and he's like, oh, now i got to get out of here. So what does he do? He leaves. He leaves Egypt, and he flees to Midian. Now Moses flees to another country and has an altogether different life. You think about Moses' life. I mean, if you want to minister to somebody who's got a mixed-up life, (laughs) this is a good story to talk to them about. Moses ends up in Midian and marries a priest's daughter, Zipporah. 
They have a son who Moses named Gershom, which means a stranger in a foreign land. And in those days, they always had a name that meant something. And that's what his name meant. Almost 40 years pass and the king of Egypt dies. The Israelites are still in bondage and they're still crying out to God. So let's take a look at Moses' life. He's happy. And the Bible says he's content. He has a wife, a son. He works for his father-in-law, Jethro, and he gets along with him. He has a good life. Life is looking pretty good. But God is about to uproot him from his comfy zone (laughs) and bring him back to Egypt to use him to save his people out of bondage. Now, would Moses ever thought that something like that was ever going to happen in his life? No, of course not. Look back on your own life and think, wow, I had no idea that God was going to place me here. I know I can do that. Coming from Lancaster County and, and, and then ending up in Belleville, I thought I would die in Lancaster County. <laughs> you know, that would be where I would end up. We never know what God's going to do, but know that he loves us so much. And he has great plans and a great purpose for us. And we can hold on to that when times get tough. When we have these hard, hard challenges, we can hold on to the fact that God is always there for us and he doesn't leave us. We can hold on to all his promises. There are no scriptures that say Moses was crying out to God, saying, God, use me. Use me. I want to. No, there's no scripture saying that. There's no scripture saying that he spent time with God and that he had an intimate relationship with him. There's nothing there. But God. (laughs) So many times, you know, I've heard, you're going to be amazed who's going to be in heaven (laughs) when you get there. Because people that looked like they were never going to change did change. They accepted Jesus into their heart and they ended up in heaven. We must never lose hope on anybody and keep praying for them. Keep always praying for those people. Pray that God would intervene in their life. Pray that scripture in Proverbs 21.1 that he can take their heart like a water course and direct it to him. That's how I pray for people to become saved. That he's taking their heart like a water course and directing it to him to be saved. Moses had a plan. His plan was to stay in Midian, love his son and his wife and have a happy life. How many of us have had plans like that and God uproots us and takes us out of our comfy zone? There are no scriptures that say that Moses, well, say that Moses had a relationship with God or spent time. So I want you to really hold on to that. Now, we want to spend time with God. But God can use ones that are least likely to be used and raise them up to be used in mighty ways. Remember, God didn't save Moses for Moses or his family. God saved Moses for himself. That's why Moses was saved. 
Otherwise, he'd have probably ended up in the Nile along with other baby boys in that river. But he was going to save his people through Moses, and he was going to use the less likely man to serve him. After almost dying four times in six weeks with Fred, I remember afterwards, um, it was snowing in January. He'd come home in December of 2020. It was snowing. I had been taking him back and forth to dialysis. And here we get this real bad snowstorm, and he says he's going. I said, I can't drive in that. You know, we need to call and reschedule. He said, no, you can't drive, but I can. <laughs> so there he is driving through that snowstorm. And there were a lot of roads. And it was not good because he did admit that later on, that it was not good roads. But I went to God and I was really upset. And I went to God and God said to me, I didn't save Fred for you. And I didn't save Fred for himself. I saved him for me. And every time he does something I think he shouldn't do, <laughs> I would hold on to that and I'd say, okay, God, you saved him for you. Not for me, not for himself. You saved him for you. How many of us have been saved for him? We're here. This, we're here for such a time as this. We are here for him, not ourselves. Have you asked the Lord why? Why are you here? Think about maybe sometimes that you came close to death and you've said, Lord, why am I still here? What is it? I remember a situation that happened to me right after we got uh, a new car. Uh, we only had it two weeks, and I'm heading down through Harrisburg, and all of a sudden, and it's hunting season, and I'm going down to Lancaster, and all of a sudden, I get over into a certain area, and I realized I hadn't prayed for my protection. And so I immediately prayed for my protection, and this little car darted right in front of me, and right after that, something crashed into my windshield. And I didn't know what in the world had happened. I didn't know if somebody shot me because they were shooting sometimes off the bridges. And I didn't know if I was shot at or what was going on. And I ended up that I went into this gas station. I told them what was going on with me. That morning, I wore a long rain all-weather coat. I normally would not wear that. I was sheltered from all that glass that would have come all over me. Also, I was just about to turn on my uh, CD player because I was studying to be an insurance agent. And so I was listening to that and I just was gonna reach down when this little car came. So I didn't. They called the police and it was a leaf spring they found in the back of my car. And they're really heavy. And the police said to me, if your head would have been over just a little bit more, it would have killed you. Why did God save me? <laughs> but he did. 
He saved me. And I'm sure you all have stories of how God has saved you from situations. You know, sometimes we're down the highway and all of a sudden somebody darts right in front of us and we almost crash. God saves us. That's our God. And now it's time for an encounter with God. God had seen enough pain and his suffering in his people and their deliverer was coming and he was sending Moses. I love that song, My Deliverer is Coming. Hold on to that because our deliverer is coming. Moses was getting his assignment and God had a mission and he had chosen Moses. He had chosen Moses. Moses didn't put himself into that position. God put him in to that position. But the first position he put him into was surrender. That he had to surrender to God. How many times have we surrendered to God? Or have you not ever surrendered to God? Or just when you accepted him into your heart, but you have not said, here I am, God. Here I am, send me. Wherever you send me. I remember I had a situation where I thought I was going to end up in Africa. And I always had this thing, and, you know, I talk about justification. I always told God, I figured, well, if we don't talk, if I don't talk about it, then he won't talk about it, and nothing will take place, you know. And then a situation came up, and this... um, lady told me that you know she thought I was called to go to Africa with her and you know and I'm like mm-mm you know <laughs> no I didn't want to go to Africa but then what I had to do was I had to surrender I had to say Lord all right it wasn't easy surrender is not real easy especially when you don't want to do something it's not real easy But I said, Lord, if you want me to go to Africa, I surrender this to you, and I will go. And I give you this fear, because it was fear, I give you this fear of going. And you know what? It worked out that I didn't have to go. All he wanted me to do was surrender it. Sometimes he calls us to just surrender in a certain situation just to see what you're going to do. Are you going to obey him? Are you going to do what he says to do? You see, God makes a way where there seems to be no way. That's our father. And when we have that personal relationship with him and we get together with him and we just adore him, it makes the biggest difference in our life. I remember I told my daughter a long time ago, um, my, I had heard from the Lord to tell her this, that when you get involved in God's business, he'll get involved in yours. She still remembers that I told her, but she's not always involved in God's business. She's involved in her own. <laughs> but when you get involved in God's business, he gets involved in yours. God's always faithful. He's always there for us. And now he's coming to Moses in that burning bush. And he's calling out to Moses. And he's saying, Moses, Moses, 
And Moses is like, is that you, Lord? Is that you? And you see, he gives him his calling. He's calling him out of that burning bush. Moses surrenders completely. He's calling him back to Egypt. Would you want to go back to where all that corruption and all that stuff took place? What if God calls you to New York City? (laughs) All different places that you never want to be. I'm not a city girl, a big city like that. But what if God would call me to that? I would have to surrender. And of course, he'd have to deal with Fred. Because <laughs> you know? it would be both of us. God made many promises throughout this story. Many, many promises. And I just want to go over these promises and bring this to an end. Joseph was given the first promise of a land of plenty, and Moses was given the second promise of, I see the suffering of my people, and I will rescue them. I see the suffering of my people, and I will rescue them. God promises to take the Israelites to a spacious place filled with milk and honey, and that is the promised land. And then forth, as God gives Moses words to say on who God is, his promise is, I am with you. Take a hold of that promise. Because that is a promise that he has given us, that no matter where we go, no matter what is going on, I am with you. And then God tells Moses, he's chosen his brother Aaron to speak. Because, you know, Moses says, I can't speak. I'm not good at that. But Moses was ahead. I mean, God was ahead of Moses. God tells Moses he's chosen his brother Aaron to speak. And even when Moses complains to God, God gives him the promise of, now you will see what I do to Pharaoh. Now you will see what I do to Pharaoh. And he will drive you out of this land. And then when the plagues, God promises that there's going to be all these plagues. But he protects his people. All these ten plagues, and God protected. And then the promise, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless he is forced by a strong hand. So I will reach my hand out and strike Egypt with all my wonders. I will reach my hand out and strike them. And then he says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on this night and will strike down all the firstborn babies with all my wonders and do it in the midst. And after that, he's going to let you go. But he protected his people. So no matter what is going on right now, know that he protects us, that he is our covering over us, that he is here for us. And then I will grant this people favor and respect in the sight of the Egyptians. There's For it shall be that when you go, you will not go empty. And so they got all the riches and out of the land they go. Every promise, every promise. And I love this part because every promise that God has said to Moses, and Moses has told the people, he kept. He kept every promise. And the only one we haven't seen yet 
is the promised land. We haven't gone into the promised land yet. Think of that. So in the beginning, I gave you Isaiah. And Isaiah says, here I am. Here I am. Are you saying that to God? What are you saying to him when he's calling you to something? Are you saying, here I am, Lord, send me. And if you're not and you're trying to justify it, you need to talk to God about that. Because no justification is going to take the place of what God is calling you to. You can think up all kinds of reasons, but God says, this is what I'm going to do, and this is what I have for you. So think of that. And Father, I just thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, that you're always calling us. You're always moving us forward. And that, Lord, you have great plans for each one of us because your word says, I have plans for you. Plans to prosper and not to bring you harm. And so I thank you that you have great plans for each one of us. And that, Father, no matter how old we are, Moses was 80 years old when you called him. And no matter how old, we can't use age. We think of all kinds of reasons and, and try to justify. But, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us because we're here for such a time as this. We are here to do your plan and your purpose and your will. And so I thank you that you are rear guard to protect us. I thank you that you are surrounding us. That the angel of the Lord is encamped around us. I thank you that you have walked our journey. That you're way ahead of us. And Father, may we remember that. That we don't have to fret the future. We don't have to get all worked up over what we don't see or know. Because we know our Father. And we know that you have the best plans and the best purpose for us. And most of all, you are within us, Holy Spirit. And you are there to guide and direct us and to move us forward in the way that we should go. And where there seems to be no way, you always make a way. We praise you and we worship you, Lord. And I speak favor upon favor, blessings upon blessings, mercy upon mercy, and grace upon grace. In Jesus' name, God loves you, and so do we.